On the Double Down Michigan podcast, we explore topics related to the gaming industry in Michigan. Host Henry Williams, Michigan Gaming Control Board Executive Director, discusses responsible gaming, gaming legislation in our state, current trends, and more. We feature special guests from the gaming industry so you can get the inside scoop. Be sure to subscribe to Double Down Michigan, a podcast by the Michigan Gaming Control Board to stay up to date on the latest in gaming. Thank you for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Double Down Michigan, a podcast by the Michigan Gaming Control Board. I'm your host, Henry Williams. Today, I have with me Kurt Steinkamp, who's newly been appointed the Chief of Staff here at the Michigan Gaming Control Board. So we're pleased to have him here. We have a lot of important information to share. And Kurt, I just want to welcome you to Double Down Michigan. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. All right. So let's just start off, Kurt. Um, Can you share with the listeners a brief history of your background? Absolutely. I uh, graduated from Eastern Michigan University with an accounting degree. We won't Um, hold that against you. (laughs) My first uh, job out of school was working as an internal auditor for Masco Corporation. Uh, Worked a lot on uh, the internal control program that they were developing at the time and later on got into um, fraud investigations for that organization, which is a particular interest of mine. Um, Following my time there, I spent some time with uh, Mercedes-Benz Financial Services. And again, I worked in the audit area with a particular focus on uh, fraud investigations and more specifically on Foreign Corrupt Practices Act violations. Um, So that was a very interesting time in, in my professional career. I was traveling a lot at the time for that job, doing a lot of international travel. And at the same time, I was um, starting a family. So I was looking for um, a job where I could go home in the evenings and spend time with my family. And I, in my job search, I found uh, an opening at the Michigan Gaming Control Board and all the stars aligned. And I was hired into a position as the enterprise licensing manager. Uh, my general responsibilities in that role were overseeing a group of financial analysts that investigated the financial suitability of uh, applicants that were looking to do business in the Michigan gaming market, um, and also uh, oversee uh, the application intake for those organizations and make sure we're being efficient and effective in how we do what we do. Um, I did that for about eight years. Um, seven to eight years, and then in um, 2019 was appointed to Deputy Director of Licensing and Investigations um, and had some additional oversight to um, the investigation section and the criminal investigation section for the board and have learned lots and am excited now to be taking on the position of, of Chief of Staff for the board. All right, that's great. And I was fortunate enough, Kurt, to sit on your panel, your interview panel, when you first came to the board and all your subsequent interview panels. Um, even from day one, I knew you were an asset um, to this organization. So again, congratulations on the promotion. Thank you very much. Kurt, um, what sections of the organization build out the licensing and, and investigations division? 
Yep, so the enterprise licensing section, the licensing section, and the criminal investigation section are the three uh, sections of the licensing and investigations division. Enterprise licensing, I talked a little bit about because um, I manage that area. The licensing section is also involved in the um, suitability investigations of, of licensees that uh, want to do business in Michigan and, and really work hand in hand with the enterprise licensing area. And then we have a criminal investigation section as well. Uh, which investigates um, illegal gaming uh, conducted in the state of Michigan. All right, great. And Kurt, tell the listeners, how do you manage the responsibilities of such a large division? Yeah, I think uh, clear communication, goal setting. Um, I'm a metric person. Everyone that works in uh, my division would tell you, uh, you know, we're very uh, focused on metrics and and uh, process improvements and things like that. Um, but I think the biggest thing of all is is having a team that is highly motivated, engaged, and wanting to contribute to the mission of the agency and and uh, having such a strong base of, of uh, a staff working for us really makes my job a whole lot easier. Great. Kurt, one of your sections is responsible for the licensing of the three Detroit casinos. What is the process of licensing or renewing a Detroit casino license? Yeah, so under the Michigan Gaming Control and Revenue Act, um, the Detroit casino licenses are renewed every year. This is a little bit different than how other states do it. Many states renew every five years or have different time periods. So we're, we're a little bit unique that they renew every single year. And so um, we're uh, very, um, you know, we take that, that responsibility very seriously. And um, it's a cycle that starts beginning on May 1st and goes all the way through board approval, which occurs um, usually in September or August, uh, depending on when the board meeting falls. And so uh, that review entails looking at the financial suitability of the organization to ensure that the organization is a financially viable asset. Um, we also look at what we refer to as key persons um, of the organization. That would include um, the, the C-suite uh, individuals, executive management, the uh, board of directors, and ownership. Uh, of, of the organization. Um, and we also work with uh, other, other staff throughout the organization, the audit area, the enforcement area, the uh, gaming lab staff to accumulate the historical information that has occurred over the last year, you know, to, to, to present to the board. And so um, that can include potentially compliance issues, material financial transactions, year-over-year um, -year comparison of financial results, um, all of the things that the board needs to determine whether or not the uh, casino license should be renewed. And so all of that's presented in a report to the board. Uh, each of the casinos have executive management that show up to the board meeting to answer any questions the board may have, and provided that the board members are satisfied with all of the information that's presented and the recommendation provided, then the board then votes to 
uh, approve um, those renewal licenses. Okay, great. Or deny. Fortunately, we haven't heard that, but the board can approve or deny Correct. any of those licenses. Um, Kurt, how does the licensing process ensure that a casino is financially stable and able to meet its obligations? So the the review process doesn't necessarily ensure financial suitability, but it evaluates it, right? So um, that information is all presented to the board, and they will make a decision on whether or not uh, they believe the organization is financially suitable for licensing purposes. Some of the information that we present for that purpose is the financial analysis. As I mentioned before, we also have certain financial reporting requirements. Um, we're particularly interested in um, a financial measure called the fixed charge coverage ratio to make sure that they can cover fixed expenses, um, how liquidity on the balance sheet looks and, and things like that. So um, that's not just through the licensing renewal process. We receive information throughout the course of the year um, to, to evaluate uh, the financial suitability of, of each of the casinos. Okay. And Kurt, now for the purposes of for our, of our listeners, you, many may not know, looking at the large buildings that's here in the city of Detroit and what it takes to operate these entities. Can you tell us how many vendors, suppliers, and other entities has the board licensed to conduct business with the three Detroit casinos? So we currently have a total of uh, 844 licensed and registered entities um, that support uh, the Detroit casinos. There's a number of other um, entities that receive automatic exemptions under under our, our regulatory requirements, but each of those 844 entities required to file an application and receive either a license or registration to provide services to the casinos. Kirk, can you tell us a little more about um, auto exemptions? And what companies qualify under auto exempt? Yeah, so we have a resolution that outlines um, the various type of exemptions. What an exemption is essentially is someone that does not fall under the licensing requirements of the act. Um, so there's various different types of companies. A vendor registration is the most, or vendor exemption is the most common type of exemption. Uh, and those are companies that provide non gaming related services and provide services under a certain threshold. So for a vendor exemption, uh, for example, they would be providing less than $400,000 worth of services uh, in a rolling 12-month period. For companies that provide less than $100,000 in non-gaming services in a rolling 12-month period, they actually fall under auto-exempt criteria, meaning they don't need to file um, any documentation or, or application with us to start doing business with the casinos. Okay, and that's for that's per casino. That is per casino, correct? Yes, great. Um, what does a licensing background investigation consist of? So the licensing uh, background investigation is the most um, thorough investigation that we have uh, compared to some of the other uh, types of, of registrations. Uh, so it it uh, it requires a financial suitability review of the applicant itself, um, criminal history review. And similarly to what I talked about with the casino renewals, we also look at key persons. So um, CEO, CFO, COO, board of directors, ownership, 
in any entity that holds ownership in the entity uh, with an ownership percentage exceeding 5%. Um, we request lots of documentation, including financial statements and other financial schedules from the organization and the individuals. Um, very thorough review, uh, extensive, takes uh, upwards of six months to get from the point of application to getting in front of the board. Um, depending on the type of business that it is, uh, we may also conduct an on-site visit um, and interview uh, folks that are, are considered key people in relation to that organization. Can those organizations operate um, and work with the casinos before the um, licensing process is complete? Yes, we do have the ability to issue a provisional license um, to applicants who submit a complete application, and we've conducted uh, preliminary checks, and there's no issues or concerns based on those checks. Okay, great. Um, Kurt, can you... Can any business apply for a license with the Michigan Gaming Control Board? Any business can apply, but not every business is eligible or suitable to receive a license. And we do ask uh, for anyone that is applying for a license to receive either a letter of intent or a signed agreement with um, a licensed entity operating in the, in the Michigan gaming market. Great, because I know sometimes we receive applications from companies applying for a license, but they fail to have that letter of intent from one of the um, licensees. That's absolutely right. And we'll, we'll go back and, and let the company know that if, if we're going to process that application, we need that letter of intent so that we're not um, expending resources in areas for companies that aren't serious about getting involved in the Michigan market. Okay. Thank you. Um, what advice would you give a business seeking a license to do business with the three Detroit casinos or our licensed online entities? My advice would be to give us a call ahead of time before you start the process. We have an excellent licensing team um, that has hotlines set up and answer calls every day to um, talk about what type of application is required, whether or not you need to submit an application at all. Sometimes we get applications for companies that, that uh, actually don't require uh, a registration or a license. And I would also refer companies to our website. We got lots of good information out there um, on uh, the different classifications of licensing. We have a supplier inquiry form on the website that you can fill out and submit, and we'll respond to you and, and provide more information on, on uh, resources and uh, what's required to, in your particular situation. Okay, great. We're going to shift course here a little bit. And Kirk, can you tell our listeners about Charitable Gaming, also known as Millionaire Parties? Sure. Uh, so back in 2012, um, we received through executive order from the governor um, a program called Millionaire Party. It was currently at the time under the Charitable Gaming Division of Lottery and is regulated under the Bingo Act, which is the Charitable Gaming Act in the state of Michigan. Uh, under the requirements for a millionaire party, qualified organizations may receive up to four licenses per year uh, to hold casino-style events to raise money for their organization. Those events can be between one and four days, um, they can have it at their own location. They can have it at 
uh, a rented location, and uh, many charities also choose to hire a licensed supplier to provide uh, equipment uh, such as tables, uh, gaming tables, and uh, dealers uh, for, for those events. All right, great. And how does an organization become qualified, and what is the application process, and does the Michigan Gaming Control Board provide organizations assistance through the process? So to become a qualified organization to hold millionaire party events, we require organizations to submit certain organizational documentation to us and financial information. We'll assess that information to determine whether or not that organization meets the requirements of, uh, of the Bingo Act. Um, most charities... I would say do meet the requirements. Uh, types of qualified organizations under the statute include religious organizations, educational service, senior citizen, fraternal, and veterans organizations that operate without profit. If you're a 501c organization, you likely qualify, um, or if you've been in existence for a period of five years and fall into one of those classifications, you likely qualify. And yes, we do offer services to qualified organizations to help uh, throughout that process. We have some resources on our website, um, which will, we got a video, um, we've got a PowerPoint presentation that will help with uh, getting going. Um, we also have various training opportunities through webinars that we, we offer occasionally several times a year. Um, and we, we provide one-on-one -on -one assistance. Again, we have licensing staff that have a hotline just for Millionaire Party. We'll take direct calls, answer any questions organizations may have. Great. You all, your team just launched a whole online application process. That's, the rollout was really successful. That's right. Yep. We just implemented a little over a year ago now a new uh, portal so we can take applications online, receive payment online, and um, has really helped uh, facilitate a smoother process for charities that are interested in participating in this program. Great. And Kurt, I have one more question for you. How many events on average are held each year? And how much did charities raise for their charitable causes in 2022? So I'll give you, yeah, I'll give you the 2022 numbers instead of averages because 20 and 21 were kind of off years. Um, because of the health and safety uh, measures that were in place at that time. But in 2022, uh, there was almost 1,400 licensed millionaire party events in 5,300 event days. Um, this related to about $4.9 million in profits to charitable organizations across the state. Oh, wow. That's absolutely great. So... You know, Kurt, this concludes our part one of our interview. I want the listeners to stay tuned. We, there will be a part two um, to our um, interview. We're going to talk about some um, other areas that um, you're responsible for. But right now, I just want to thank you for participating and being here today. And I look forward to seeing you at the next podcast. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.